Welcome to the podcast, a show all about pets, veterinary medicine, animals, all of the above. I am Dr. Lauren. I am a veterinarian, internal medicine specialist. We're so excited to have you guys here. I'm David. I'm Lauren's husband. I'm an actor. I'm a voice actor. I'm just an animal lover, and I'm here to co-host Hype Man. Dog dad, cat dad. Dog dad, cat dad. And uh, occasional sound effect maker on this show as well, which Mm -hmm. stay tuned because I got some things up my sleeve. They're not always good. (laughs) So we have a really good show for you today. We are going to do an Ask the Vet question segment, which is uh, really great. A lot of variety of questions today. Um, We're going to talk about some news, some trivia, but let's first start off by giving everybody the answer to last episode's trivia question. Yeah, it was a great question. Uh, The question, if you need a reminder, was, aside from humans, what other animal includes getting drunk as part of their dietary habit? Got emotional thinking about that one. (laughs) And the answer, the options are koalas, pandas, cows, or chimpanzees. So, Doc... You want to take, give us the answer on this one? Yeah, the answer on this one, which I think if you think about which animal is the most related to humans, you'll probably get it right, but that's going to be the chimpanzee. So a study in Guinea actually revealed that chimpanzees, uh, their drink fermented palm sap, which is 3% alcohol. Uh, and this fact makes these animals probably the only animals to enjoy a bender like some people do. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, now, interestingly enough, I thought I knew the answer to this one because I was under the impression, I guess the way the question's worded, but koalas do also get inebriated based on eucalyptus, eucalyptus that they have as part of their diet does give them a bit of a high. Oh, I didn't know that. But I guess it's it's not not maybe a a choice. And it's not a, yeah, they're, the chimpanzees sound like they're deliberately drinking. Right. Yeah, and we share 99.9% of our DNA with them. So we share that part, I guess. The love for alcohol. Well, that is an awesome, awesome piece of trivia. Um, and some more fun facts are here to come because some very interesting news stories. And I think I'm going to lead this one today. Um, so I think we are at the stage in pandemania with COVID. All of us, I think by this time, have had at least one test, one little Q-tip up the schnoz to see whether we have had COVID or not. Mm-hmm. Now, what if you never had to do that again? That'd be well, great. It, I sneeze every time, like literally. Yeah, I, you do have a I sneeze. sneeze. I have such a strong sneezing reflex. It goes up one nostril. I have three sneezes. It goes up the other. I have three sneezes every time. I do love sneezing, though. Yeah, it is. Side it related, it's, it's great. Okay, um, so tell me about this. What? But what anyway... There is an, a possibility, and it's already in play in some places, that um, you might not have to do a PCR test or an antigen test because dogs may be better at detecting COVID than these testing. Um, now, a study published by Plus One Journal um, did a test where they studied 335 participants from COVID screening centers in Paris, and these trained COVID dogs were able to identify 97% of symptomatic cases and 100% 
of asymptomatic cases. That's a really good sensitivity and specificity. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think why this is of such great importance and excitement is that, A, it was an instant response. Mm-hmm. So, the, if I'm not mistaken, the test was done where they had the sweat of these COVID patients uh, put into bowls and then wait the patient have to be sweating i i you know that they swab it who <laughs> okay. i i don't i i didn't get i'm not getting the nitty-gritty david maybe doesn't know how to read journal articles as well <laughs> listen they make the, it. let's go to the facts <laughs> the facts were that um the dogs were able to give job. an instant response whereas wow. pcr tests or antigen tests mm-hmm. might take some days or pcr tests will uh take a couple days to, to get those results so a it could be an instant way to determine COVID. And also it could be really beneficial for testing patients who can't tolerate nasal swabs. Uh, So this has been a big problem in in Alzheimer's patients, for example. Or Or even kids. Or kids or in sneezies. Sneezy people. Sneezy people. But this is, this this has been, so actually starting in last September, even uh, Miami airport was the first uh, to begin using COVID dogs. Uh, This has been followed suit by airports in United Arab Emirates, Finland, and now some schools in Massachusetts and Hawaii are also testing their students. So cool. Yeah, really cool. I like that a lot. Really cool. Dogs are amazing. Dogs are amazing. Absolutely. Other amazing creatures I can tell you about. Um, This brings us to the war-torn area of Ukraine. I don't know if, um, you know, when you were reading about the stories in Ukraine, one of the big issues is that a lot of these zoo animals were stuck there. And a lot of them, you know, their caretakers weren't able to go, you know, take care of them or feed them. And so there was the thought, do we, you know, put these animals down rather than letting them starve to death? It was like a very big issue um, when the when the war first started. And there's actually a lion named Simba, very original Mm -hmm. name, (laughs) and Akila the wolf. And they were actually transported from their home zoo in the Ukraine to Romania on a very dangerous four-day trip. And because of the shortage of tranquilizers in the Ukraine because of the war, they had to be taken awake in the back of essentially just a van the entire time. And... The evacuation was made possible as like a coordinated effort between a lot of different animal organizations. But actually, the two men that actually drove the van were just volunteers from the UK. And they drove this van from the Ukraine to Romania, but they actually couldn't get a permit to cross the the easiest border to go from the Ukraine to Romania. So they actually had to travel through, I guess there's these mountains called the Carpathian Mountains, not once, but actually twice, adding nearly a thousand kilometers to their journey with an awake lion and an awake wolf in the back of their van. So I thought that was- Not at the same time, confirmed. No. They were, like, both in the van. Yeah. What? These men, yeah. So it's no, 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 no. But the wolf and the lion, not at the same time. Well, different cage, cages, oh, but oh, in the yeah, same van. Cages. Okay, for some reason, no, I really like thought they were... there's, like, three in there. Yeah, like reaching through. Bad vis- vis- <laughs> visual that I had there. Anyways, I thought that was pretty badass, also because these are just, like, two volunteers from the UK. So um, in one of our future episodes, we're actually going to be talking to a veterinary colleague of mine who actually flew down um, to be one of very few people to help with all the animal rescues and taking care of animals at the Ukraine, uh, I believe, Poland border. So he's going to be on an episode coming up. But very cool animal stories coming out of the Ukraine. Um, And that one I thought was very interesting. Really cool story, for sure. Um, So when we come back... 
David's going to be asking me some listener questions, um, and we'll go through some answers and let you guys know what your uh, what your answers are to your most pressing questions. We will see you after the break. And we are back, and we are back with one of my favorite segments because I can kind of just chill Relax. while Lauren gets to to put the work in. This is Ask the Vet. So I will ask, ask you the questions the and the vet <laughs> will answer them. So thank you everybody who, uh, who wrote in. Uh, reminder, you can ask any question anytime um, either to the tiny vet on Instagram or podcast TV. Um, and we will make sure that you are featured in one of our episodes like this one. So this one comes in. Um, I don't know why we always have a theme around this, but it's a poo theme today. And the question is, why does my dog sometimes eat his own feces? Mmm, poop-eating dogs, yummy. Uh, this is a really common thing. It's actually, there's the medical term for it. It's called coprophagia. Uh, that means eating poop. Okay. And there can be a variety of reasons for coprophagia. Um, in Sometimes in its basic form, it's just a behavioral issue. Um, especially in puppies, it can be behavioral. They kind of just associate it with food and they turn around and eat it. Yeah. Uh, I classic, remember, of course. Classic. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, so it can be behavioral. Um, in some dogs that are actually fed very close to like where they poop, like a lot of people will pee pad train their dogs and so they poop next to their food. Mm. That can sometimes create a weird association behaviorally. Um, however, in other dogs, coprophagia can actually indicate a medical issue. So oftentimes these dogs may be malnourished. Um, maybe they're not having eating a balanced diet. So maybe their mineral and vitamin balance in their diet is not appropriate. So they're looking for that that elsewhere. And so we often see things like coprophagia eating their own poop. Sometimes we also see um, like pica, which is when dogs want to like eat metal or eat like lick at the walls and things like that. Um, can indicate a dietary deficiency. Um, and other times too, it's maybe not the diet that's the problem, but it's actually their own body that's the problem. So they may have an imbalance of the good and bad bacteria in their gut. That's what we call a dysbiosis. And that can trigger poop eating or maybe just like a, another primary so, GI disease. So that said, if it is the body telling them they need to do this, is it not always a bad thing? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, I think, no. I think that if if it should be a warning sign, okay. just like a dog that eats too much grass, sometimes grass eating can be a bit normal, but if they're constantly eating grass and vomiting, like we talked about yeah. once before, that should be a sign to take your pet to, to the vet. Maybe it's a dietary issue. Maybe it's a, a them issue. Mm -hmm. um, I would say in puppies, it can be pretty common, but if you have an older dog that out of nowhere just starts eating its own poop, that's like a, a red flag. Okay. Go see your vet. Okay. Well, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Thank you. And don't kiss them on the mouth. So while we're talking about delicious things to eat, um, this is a question that came in. Why do my dog's feet smell like Frito-Lays? Frito-Lays Frito is not a sponsor, but if you are listening, Mr. Frito, <laughs> we'd love to hear from We'd you. love some corn chips, please. Um, so Frito, uh, Frito feet uh, is basically, you know, if you smell, most people, if you smell your paw, your dog's paws, they kind of have that little bit of a cheesy smell to them. Um, 
I like a lot of people like it because it's it's like a I don't know there's like a you're the only person that likes it. <laughs> I like you it. say a lot of people no you're the only weirdo that is like picking your dog's ear and like I literally like <sighs> smell under Joey's armpit and I'm like <sighs> like smells so good. Um, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, normally like dog feet have you know some bacteria and yeast that are normal inhabitants of the skin and that kind of is what gives typically the yeast the normal yeast that live on the skin give it that little bit of that Frito smell. She's like getting, I don't know if, and no one's actually seeing yes, her face that are listening, oh. but like <laughs> she's getting excited as she's talking about this and makes me even more concerned. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and so, however, I will say like you shouldn't really be able to smell your dog's feet from like across the room. Like it's one thing if you put their little pop and you give it a sniff and it smells that way, but if you can smell a little cheesy feet or cheesy skin from across the room, that's usually a sign that there might be like an overpopulation of yeast or bacteria. Mm. They probably have an infection. So if you can just like smell their odor naturally, you might want to take them into the vet and maybe have some cytology done of their feet or their skin or whatever it is to see if there's an infection there. But just like a little hint of Frito can be normal just from the normal bacteria. All right, we got to move on this question. You're getting too excited and I'm getting grossed out. So, all right, let's shake this one off and this one will switch to... Will spaying or neutering my dog change their behavior? So this is a really common, I think, myth that uh, I will break right now. A lot of people think that spaying or neutering their dogs can can change who they are and, and what they act like. And we really don't have any evidence to say that that is true. It shouldn't change their personality. So spaying or neutering your dog really shouldn't change their personality, who they are as a dog. There are certain behaviors that are definitely can be changed by spaying and neutering. The ones that have been proven to go down with specifically, we're talking male dogs here when they're neutered or cats as well being neutered would be things like roaming. So that roaming, roaming behavior, roaming? like wanting to get outside, wanting to roam because they're really wanting to like reproduce, right? Oh, okay, okay. Um, so cats and dogs uh, who roam. So we know that intact male dogs and cats are more likely to be hit by cars because they oh. have that roaming behavior. We also know that those intact male cats and dogs are more likely to mark or to spray we know that firsthand we with do. our dog Freddie when we first got him, when we first rescued him, our little we put Brussels. Him in a diaper. Yeah, he was pissing all over the house, like literally marking every single thing. And so he had to wear this little belly band diaper. It was actually cute. It's a cute look. It was gross. And so, and then we neutered him, and the behavior like almost immediately went away. Like there was still a bit of training, but that was a number one thing. So, marking behavior, roaming behavior, um, aggression, like whenever we're at the dog park, you know, the dogs that are typically getting in the fights, not because they're aggressive dogs per se, but the male intact dogs that those big dogs that come in with their balls still on, other dogs don't really like them because mm -hmm. they can feel that hormone. So, yeah. so a lot of the behavioral aggression issues as well. But in terms of a personality, no, neutering and spaying will not affect the personality of your dog. Yeah, well, and there are a lot of other benefits to spaying and neutering. Obviously, talk to your vet about when it's appropriate to spay and neuter. Some large breed dogs need to be, you know, neutered or spayed later to allow their bones and joints to develop more. Some dogs that have, you know, urinary issues, maybe urinary incontinence, we recommend later spaying. But um, for the most part, there's still the benefits of spaying and neutering far outweigh the any sort of negative from doing these procedures. Right. It's basically like unless you are wanting to breed your dog there mm -hmm. should be no reason to yeah. in, in a city yeah. escape to have yeah okay 
I like that. Um, here's the last question. Why does my pet drink and urinate a lot? So that's uh, a tricky question. There are, I think the latest list I have is 29 different causes of increased thirst and urination, also called polyuria and polydipsia. Um, so a lot of different reasons why dogs and cats may drink or pee a lot. It could be anything from just behavioral. We see it sometimes in puppies. Um, however, if your dog just suddenly starts drinking and peeing a lot, you know, when they're middle-aged or older, you definitely have to be concerned about an underlying medical issue. So some common causes would be diabetes. So the dogs and cats are predisposed to diabetes, um, kidney failure. Um, we can have various hormonal issues like issues with production of cortisol in the body, liver issues, infections in the body. There's a whole, whole slew of them. And so all I can say is that if you've noticed your dog or cat is starting to urinate and pee more or, or one of the two, bring it into the vet. They probably right. need blood work and urinalysis done so that you can detect these issues before they become a bigger problem. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. So too much pee, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah. Very Thanks. nice pun there, babe. Thanks. All right, when we come back, uh, we are going to do a trivia segment uh, and we'll ask you your question. No, yeah, not yet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Should I do another when we come back? Yeah. Okay. When we come back, we're going to look at my favorite patient of the week, a really cool case that I saw, and then we're going to finish off with some trivia. Awesome. See you after the break. And we're back, and we're doing... The second time we're doing this segment now, a uh, segment looking at a patient I of the week. I love this segment. This is a really fun fun one. Good good call on this. Yeah, Let's I like patient coming. of the week. It's cool. I, I see a lot of cool things, and I think it's nice to be able to share that and, you know, learn something new. Um, so this patient is named Lestat. Um, and if you are a fan of anything vampire, uh, interview with a vampire this was the name of the main uh, Tom Cruise's character in Interview with a Vampire. So, I, I actually, and I'm embarrassed that I hadn't seen it. So I had to yeah, add so that to my movie list once. I'll you watch it again with you. I mean, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, like vampires, in their prime. Say no more. Say no more. So actually, the interesting thing about this is, despite being named after a vampire, Lestat, who is a five-year-old standard poodle, came into our emergency room. Uh, it would have been two weeks ago now for nosebleeds he was okay. like pouring blood out of his nose so not the best vampire if he's losing his blood like that but <laughs> come on that's pretty good um <laughs> it's always good when the joke giver has to say come on that's that's a good one right anyways so he came in for nosebleeds and actually one of our emergency clinicians came to find me because typically nosebleeds is something that's work up the, the medical name for that is called epistaxis and normally that's worked up by the internal medicine service and this dog had seen its vet and it was planning on getting uh, what we call rhinoscopy or a nasal scope to look to see you know is there a mass in there is there foreign body up, you know shoved up the nose what's going on in that nose now as I said, our emergency clinician came to find me and just to ask me, hey, when do you think the soonest is that you could maybe scope this dog? And I was like, you know, I could probably see it on Monday for an emergency exam, yada, yada. I gave some recommendations about how to deal with the bleeding in the meantime. It had slowed down significantly um, by the time the dog was in the ER. 
Um, and so I guess the first question is, David, just from a layman's perspective, um, I mentioned a couple differentials, but like, I guess, what are some causes that you think oh, of geez. for those? Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned the foreign body, which yeah. it's not, you mentioned a tumor, which I would have probably gone to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about like, could there have been a pressure mm-hmm. buildup? in the head of yeah. some kind so of hypertension, sinus. Yeah. high blood pressure, because the nasal um, uh, capillaries, the little blood vessels are so small that hypertension, high blood pressure can cause nosebleeds. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's that what I meant. I would also like to just brag that up until I was 19, I never had a nosebleed. And the same thing, once I got one, I had three in a row. I haven't had one since, but. I literally got my n- first nosebleed last week after I, I've been having nasal sinus issues from COVID and I, I don't have COVID right now for the people sitting in this room. <laughs> but uh, I had my first nosebleed and I was like, what the heck? But anyways, so yeah, that's a good differential, high blood pressure. Other things like a clotting disorder, usually they'll bleed from other places as well, but mm. we did check his clotting function and it was normal. Usually I would say, I mean, he was picking his nose, but I think that's more of a human thing. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't although sometimes they can have trauma, like getting hit in the face by something. Right, but you, sure. would, you would think that that would probably There'd be a history. Clear, yeah, or it would clear up yeah. um, quicker than that. So anyways, what was really interesting about Lestat is that when the emergency clinician came to find me, I was kind of just briefly going through the file and I pulled up the blood work and I went, holy crap, this dog's um, globulins, which are a type of protein that are found in the blood that basically represent antibodies in the blood, they were like through the roof, like super high. And that is actually another cause of nosebleeds because when those proteins in the blood get so high, the blood becomes almost thick. Mm. And when it's moving through those really small capillaries in the nose, it can trigger nosebleeds. Mm. So I immediately said, okay, this dog actually, like we need to look for a cause of why its globulins are so high. We don't need to look in the nose per se. I'm more worried that maybe the nosebleed is you know, one sign of a bigger, more systemic issue, meaning it's not something in the nose, it's something going on elsewhere. So the dog came back to see me the following week, which was last week, um, and he was doing a lot better. The nose bleeding was, you know, managed with the medications that I put him on. I put him on a drug called Union Bio, which is actually a Chinese herbal medication that um, can help with bleeding, and it was minimal at the time. But I took a history from the owner, and it turns out this dog lived a year of its life in Malta, okay. which is a European island. And one thing to note about Malta, this was starting to raise red flags in my head, is that there's a particular um, infectious organism that is like, it's one of the most concentrated areas where we see that type of infection and that infection is called leishmania okay and leishmania is like a parasite basically that's transferred through the sand fly and the reason why we see it so often in malta is because the sand fly vector is so prominent there so let's also just confirm so leishmania because i remember you brought up leishmania before and i thought you were joking with me as if it's like something when because dogs wear leashes they get crazy oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, uh, for the for the listeners, it is spelled differently, correct? L-E-I-S-H mania. Instead of E-A. And that, there's a song I okay. sing, because I've seen a couple patients with leash mania, and I have a song that goes, he's a leash maniac, maniac. <laughs> and we sing it every time. Great. But it's not something we actually see in BC or in Canada. It's just because we have such a cultural population of dogs mm. here that come from elsewhere that it is on my radar. And it is a very common cause of high globulins and a very common cause of 
of nasal bleeding. And sure enough, um, as I just spit on you, I apologize. <laughs> I'm getting very passionate about this. We tested the dog um, for leash mania and he is positive. We actually found it. He had these crested lesions on his ears that I took a cytology where I kind of dabbed the ears against a microscope guide and I saw the organisms under the wow. microscope. So that was really cool. And I'll, I have. So what uh, do you, and then at that point, it's an anti parasite that you. Yeah. And the sad thing is, this dog was vaccinated before he went to Malta, but the vaccine doesn't prevent infection. It just makes it less likely that it's going to cause a big issue, kind of like COVID vaccine. Okay. So, anyways, we confirmed the diagnosis. And uh, now the drug that we need to treat him with, um, we have to get through an emergency drug release from the Canadian government. So I applied for that. And luckily, Health Canada was super quick. The next day, they approved it. We got the medication shipped and we're starting him on treatment. So this is a type of infection that we can't really ever clear, but we can keep it kind of dormant so that the dog can hopefully have all those signs resolve and go on to live a normal life. So I have many other patients with this condition. Um, A lot of leash maniacs. Maniacs. Yeah. On the floor. Anyway, so it was very cool. Very cool case. And it just goes to show you cases like this, how much a history is important. Yeah. It would be very easy to just say, epistaxis, let's go do a scope, but that would have been not the right thing to do for this pet. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. That's a great story. Yeah. So and, uh, we'll update you. I'm going to post about Lestat soon and we'll keep you updated on his progress. And I can't wait to update you guys on my thoughts of interviews with the vampire, which yeah. will be on the Next viewing episode. list this week. So we'll finish off quickly with a trivia question for all you listeners out there. David, do you want to take the reins? I do. Yes, indeed. So this is uh, a Guinness World Record for the largest litter of domestic cats, this was set in 1970. Mm. And how many kittens made up this litter? Was it nine? Was it 15? Was it 19? Or was it 21? Jeez, those are big numbers. Big numbers. So definitely uh, phone on in, write on in with your answers. We'd love to hear from you. still doesn't know that we don't have a phone. We don't have a phone. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm old school like that. Podcast TV, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us. We're going to throw up our contacts. So we'll find out. You also need to stop saying we're going to throw up our contacts. Throw up our things. Doesn't sound great either. (laughs) We're going to put them up. Yeah. Okay. And on, and we're going to put them up on YouTube. So that's where you can obviously watch us, watch our crazy facial expressions and our s- demeanor with each other. We might even be putting in pictures of, uh, of cute animals. And maybe so Lestat. Some, maybe Lestat. Lestat. So, and, so yeah. send over pictures. We just want to we wanna engage with you guys. We want to know who our listeners are. We want to know your questions. We want to know your pets. We want to know might, everything about and you. We might, uh, yeah, we might feature you on the next episode. So. All right. That's it for today's show. Remember, like we just said, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you download your podcast, rate us, do all the things. Until next week, I am Dr. Lauren. I am David. And And this this is is the the podcast. podcast.